be streaming live soon. Good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you for uh, dialing in for us today, so to speak. Um, today we're going to talk about confidence. Uh, what does it mean to have confidence? Uh, and what's important about confidence? <clears throat> I want to look specifically at a scripture in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, and if I can find it here, it's still in the New Testament, I think. Yeah, there it is. Hebrews chapter 10, and I want to look at the uh, verse 35. It says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Do not throw away your confidence, for it has a great reward. And my question is, what do we need? What, what is this confidence he's talking about? Um, as I've dug into this, I'm more convinced than ever that English is not a good language to express what happened in Greek or Hebrew. Uh, there's just not enough words. There's just not enough nuance to it. And um, there's three words. There's more, but the three main words we're going to look at for confidence. Uh, but I want to give you a dictionary definition. Um, confidence is the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something with firm trust, um, the state of feeling certain about the truth of something, a feeling of self-assurance arising from one's appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities, and the telling of private matters or secrets with mutual trust. Now, those are the main definitions of dictionary or, uh, that come from the uh, I believe it's Merriman uh, Dictionary. Now, but what does the, the words mean that, that uh, Paul was using, for example? Um, I want to look at... Let me find my... my here it is right here. Uh, I want to go look at Acts chapter 4. We'll start at verse 13. Acts chapter 4, and I want to start with verse 13. If you're familiar with this story, uh, John and Peter had, had prayed for this guy, and all kinds of things happened when, it, when the guy got healed. Um, it was miraculous beyond words, one of the more miraculous things that happened in the New Testament, in my opinion. And, uh, of course, the religious people got mad at him. Uh, that's what you do when God does some great thing. You get mad at people. Um, that's what the that's, that's Pharisee 101. They teach you that the first day you're in class. Uh, now, but I want to look at verse 13. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were... <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> uneducated and untrained men, they were marveling and began to recognize them 
<coughs> excuse me, as having been with Jesus. Now, what does the word confidence mean? Well, it's interesting. We've got the Greek word, uh, Strong's word number 3954, uh, parisius. And it means the act of speaking freedom or frankness in speaking. Um, he goes on, this is from Spiro Zodiotis Dictionary, especially in Hebrews and 1 John, the word denotes confidence, which is experienced with such things as faith in communion with God. So what they're talking about is, is that you're able to make decisions and you're able to do things based on your confidence in the Scriptures or whatever it is that you're trying to do. If you're praying for healing, you're praying for this, that, or the other. It's confidence. It provides a foundation for you. Now, if we go on and look on from there and go down and look at verse 29 in chapter 4. And now take note of their threats and grant your servants may speak the word with all confidence. So, the interesting thing here is that beyond what they're doing, they're speaking with confidence in the face of death, in the face of all of these different things that, that are going on, the attack. They're speaking with confidence. And that confidence enables them to go ahead and do the things that they did. Now, are we lacking confidence in the things that we're, we're being asked to do? Um, how well did Paul respond to this? Uh, what is confidence? You, you know, what are you confident in? Um, I called a friend of mine last night. Um, she's an incredible woman. She's got quite a prophetic ministry. And I asked her, I said, uh, give me three specific things that you must have confidence in in order to be a believer. What are the, from, from her perspective, what are the three things uh, that you need to have confidence in in order to be effective as a believer? And she said this. She said, first of all, the crucifixion with the finished work of Christ. Okay? What's the finished work of Christ? The, re the crucifixion doesn't do you any good if there's no resurrection. So, the crucifixion and the finished work of Christ is one of the things that you... If you don't believe in that, if you don't have confidence that that's true, then you're wasting your time. You might as well go ahead and, and go out in the backyard and shoot basketball or whatever. It, you know, those are, If you don't have confidence in that, then you're wasting your time. The second thing she talked about was the identity of the believer... Do you have confidence that what God said about you is true? If it is, do you act on it? Now, we're going to go look at another scripture here real quick. But uh, And the third thing is the biblical word. Is it true and accurate? Is what the word says reliable? Uh, do you have confidence in the word? Um, and when I'm looking at that, I go back to... Uh, I will quickly go to the first John and I want to read to you 
the opening lines of 1 John. What was from the beginning, this is 1 John 1, 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, and what we have beheld with our hands, and what we've handled concerning the word of life. So here's the guy that's telling you, I saw this, this is what we did. Uh, we've handled it, we've done all of these things. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. So when we, when we listen to John, he's telling you, uh, in common vernacular, I've been there, done that. Okay, We saw this happen. We saw him die. We saw him rise from the dead. That's We can't deny that. So that's one of the things that, that I want to go back to. Is the biblical word true? When Jesus said, uh, or when Isaiah says, um, in Isaiah 53... He talks about his body being broken, and, and Jesus says in, in communion, Paul went through communion in Second Corinthians or First Corinthians 11, talks about uh, my body was broken for you, and do this in remembrance of me. So confidence, where do we get that confidence from? Now, when I go back and look at this, I want to tell you, uh, to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And I want to talk to you about a, an amazing scripture in here. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And we'll start at verse 1. Having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So he's telling you to start out uh, that we have promises that we can rely on. Now, now the, the verse I want to look at is verse 2. Make room for us. We've wronged no one. We've corrupted no one. We took advantage of no one. Now, uh, you may have in your book, uh, I know the, the New American Standard does, in italics, in your hearts. Uh, that's not in the original Greek, so we're going to read it without that in there. Make room for us. We've wronged no one. We've corrupted no one. We took advantage of no one. Now, I want to look at these three words just a second. Um, the word wronged, we've wronged no one. Okay, that's the word, that's uh, Greek number, or the Strong's number is 0091. It says, to act unjustly, to do wrong, to do wrong, to injure someone, uh, to hurt, damage, cause harm. It's a misdeed or an injury, okay? Now, he's saying, we, I've not done that. I haven't done that to anybody. The second word we want to look at is corrupted. What does corrupted mean? Well, that's word, the Greek word number 5351. And it's the word phthero. I, I guess that's how you pronounce it. You'll have to, to go look it up on your own. 
But what it means is to waste, to corrupt, to destroy. To destroy, punish with destruction, and bring to a worse state. To spoil, to vitiate in a moral or spiritual sense. Now, I'm hung up immediately. I don't know where the word vitiate, I've never heard of it before. Uh, but I went and looked it up. And uh, I asked John, my good friend John Dunham, you know anything about this word? He's never heard of it either. But just because John and I have never heard of the word doesn't mean it's not a word. I want you to know that. Vitiate means to spoil or impair the quality of. To destroy or to uh, impair the legal validity of. Now, all of these things are tied up in that word corrupted. He goes on, to corrupt with the meaning to subvert or corrupt opinions. Now, the third word we want to look at is defrauded. Greek word 4122. He uh, means to have more than another covet, take advantage of, to defraud someone. Now, Paul is telling us that he's never done these things. But we know that he was chasing Christians, he was going to throw them in jail, he was doing all of these different things before, you know, that's what he did. Go back and read uh, Acts chapter 7 and 8 with Stephen. It says that laid the, as Stephen was getting stoned, they laid the uh, coats of a young man named Saul. Well, that's this guy. Now, when I was going through this, and when I first time I heard this, the minister that shared this made a great comment. When he read that, he said he threw his Bible up in the air and said, I've caught this man in a lie. How can he say these things, knowing what he did? And he said, as roughly as it could be, the word of the, word of the Lord came to him, in powerful dynamics and said, the Holy Spirit speaking to him in his heart indicated, you watch who you call a liar. The man you're talking about died on the road to Damascus. Now, um, we've got a situation here where Paul has confidence in the new birth. It is what it said it is. He's not being held accountable for those things because he said, I didn't do them. Now, where else would this kind of confidence help us in? Uh, in prayer. If we can't go to God in prayer with confidence, we're not going to have much success in our prayer life. You might as well uh, you know, read from the dictionary. But you've got to have confidence that God said what He's going to do. It builds on this fact, of the, is the biblical word true? Do you have confidence that that word's true? If you build on that, and you understand your identity, which is exactly what Paul did here. Now, my friend, I, I, uh, I didn't tell her anything about 2 Corinthians 7, but the things that she talked about the three things that she gave me are wrapped up here in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2. The crucifixion and the finished work. What's part of the finished work of Christ 
is that we get to partake in the life of God and that we are resurrected with Christ. We, 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 the, the baptism, you go down into the water, the death of the old man, you're raised to walk in newness of life with Christ. One, that's what Paul, that's what Paul's relying on right here. The second thing was the identity of the believer. He believed so strongly in that identity that God, that, that Christ has given him that he completely separates himself from the past. Now, the third thing is the biblical word, is it true and accurate? He's relying on what Jesus said. Now, if you remember carefully, you go to Galatians, you'll find out Paul was taken up into heaven and said he didn't get this from anybody but Jesus Christ himself. So that's a that's a that's a pretty good testimony. I think I you know, I think we can rely on what Paul's saying here. Now, where else and a very important thing as we look at our country right now, the United States is in a flux. We're in turmoil. Um the things that I grew up with are no longer valid as far as school and so forth. I go back and think I was telling uh, my wife, Mrs. Hosaffle, my second grade teacher, uh, one day I jumped up on the desk. I don't remember what I was doing. It, it, it seemed like a good idea at the time. But this is from second grade and I can remember that. And I, she taught me a great lesson that I never forgot. Wherever your ear goes, you go with it. She grabbed me by the ear and <clears throat> drug me off in the other way. And then when I got home, I got paddled because I'd done this to begin with. That type of discipline and that type of uh, worldview and framework no longer exists. So in prayer, we need to have that available to us. Uh, one testimony that I, that I, I and I must share this because this happened to my wife and I. In 1978, we'd gotten baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we went to visit her mom in central Indiana. We got there. Now, her mom had a 72 Chevy. We had a 72 uh, Buick. And from what I remember, I haven't driven a Chevy in a long time, but what I remember back then, they had what I called the General Motors hesitation. When you'd step on the gas for some reason, that 283 motor would hesitate for a brief second. And some, it didn't take off, but it seemed to have a hesitation. Our Buick had it, and her uh, Chevy had it. Well, Mom was riding with Julia. They were going into town to get something. I'm staying out at Mom's place. She goes in and she starts to go across the railroad track and that thing stalls. And just as it stalls, there's a freight train coming down and blows its horn. Now, they are mid, I mean, they are middle of the track. And mom freezes. She just, she gets a death grip on the wheel and that train's coming. People are honking their horn at them. Julia got out and opened the passenger side door and started pushing. And the car, she was pushing the car, she, my wife, was pushing the car off the road. Now, if you know her, she's not that big. And she's pushing that car off the road with my mom, with her mom in there. And all of a sudden, 
she stopped to look at the train. And when she did, the, the train hit the back left quarter panel of her car and it swung it around and it hit her and knocked her down. Now, I, I, I'm kidding her. You can go back to 1976. I don't know what that would be worth today. But I told her, I said, wherever your butt hit the car, it did $1,800 worth of damage to the car. That's a serious blow. And especially back in the 76, the car couldn't have been worth much more than that. Now, at that time, uh, the ambulance came and took her to the hospital. And I'm out at the, I don't know anything about this. I am out uh, at mom's house. And, but one thing I know, Julie and I prayed about everything. We just prayed about everything, about going here. We prayed for her mom. Her mom wasn't a believer yet, and uh, on and on and on. And all of a sudden, I'm there with my dog, and this thought came to me. Julia's been hit by a train, and a police officer's coming to let you know about it. And I, of course, I wasn't thinking that. I'm going, what the? And about that time, knock, knock, knock on the door, and I open it up, and it's the sheriff standing there. And I told him, I know my wife's been hit by a train, and you're here to take me to the hospital. His jaw hit the ground. How did you know that? Because back then, there was no cell phone or anything. So we go to the hospital, and, and, and the confidence that we have that, that God's doing what He said He would do, Psalm 91, He'd protect you, He'd heal you. Um, she, got a word of God, she got a word from the Lord from a pastor in Colorado that he saw her finger, he saw God's finger going down her spine and heal her. That night, it was, her back was so hot she couldn't walk. Well, they had x-rays that showed she's got a broken back. And so we, we were living in Dayton, Ohio, so we had we got to take her home. My mom and dad bring her home. When she gets to the hospital in, in uh, Dayton, they lost her x-rays. Couldn't find them anywhere. Got new x-rays. She doesn't have a broken back. Somewhere between Warsaw, Indiana, and Dayton, Ohio, God healed her back. And we experienced time after time miracles like that. Now, what did those do for you? They build confidence. They just built confidence that what the Lord was doing in um, uh, Revelations 19.10, I believe it is, said... Uh, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What he does for John or Emily or Rick Bonfim, he'll do for me. What he did for Paul, he'll do for me. Do you have the confidence to do that? Well, Julia asked the Lord, and she was a, they kept her in the hospital for a couple of days because, you know, it's not a good thing to be hit by a train. Uh and she woke up and she told me, she goes, I know why I got hit by the train. I said, why? And she said, because it's like Peter walking on the water. I took my eyes off of God and started looking at the storm. And I, I took my eyes off of, of getting the car off the track and looked at the train and then I got hit. Now, God healed her and brought all that back, but that whole event gave us confidence. And then when we would slam into bigger events, when we'd come across other things that were so, uh, how do I want to say it, 
difficult to deal with, we had confidence. We'll go back here and look what God did over here. And you can see that in the, in the, in the Scriptures. You can see how this works in the Scriptures. Now, developing confidence that God will do what He did. One of the issues, and, and um, this is certainly for another time, but one of the issues, if we look at Peter's life, he did. He had no. They had no confidence in the gospels. These guys, they thought they did it. They tried to do it on their own, you know, on their own strength, but they didn't have confidence because they didn't have the Holy Spirit, and they were trying to do it on their own mind and doing it on their own heart, doing it with what they know how to do best. Bang! You go over to chapter 2 in the book of uh, Acts. The Holy Spirit comes and, and does exactly what Jesus said it would do. Now, way back when, there was a song by Don Francisco called He's Alive. We heard that in 1978, so it's been a while. But the, the song was about Peter's revelation knowledge that, oh my gosh, he is alive. What he said was true. That kind of revelation is something that you've got to have. In order, and when you get it, you've got to have confidence that will enable you to move more. Now, Julie and I lived in Dayton at the time. And because of our job, we ended up moving to Columbus, Ohio. But while we were in Columbus, Ohio, uh, we got the, the word or the impression that we should move to Tulsa to try to go to uh, a Bible school in Tulsa. Rama Bible Training Center. We went and looked at everything. Our rent doubled. The, the, our expenses doubled and our revenue was cut in half. But yet we felt like God wanted us to go there. Well, we spent a lot of time trying to you know, dot every I and make sure everything was covered. We didn't want to make a mistake. When we got out there, now, I think this is one of the things, if you go back and look at Moses through uh, Deuteronomy and Numbers and so forth, and Joshua, they're constantly telling you to build memorials so you can remember what it is that God did. You'll understand. This pile of rocks represents what God did here and so forth and so on. They named the place, the you know, Deliverance Rock or whatever, whatever it might be. So... In that move to, to from Columbus to Tulsa, I was just making it a big deal. And a friend of mine, the guy that we went, I'll never forget it. Little in his house, they had a um, like a little bar uh, thing between the the dining room and you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's like a, a marble, t not marble, but um, granite top and so forth. Uh, I got up to 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 pray and so forth with him and. He put a plate of eggs on there, and I'll never forget, he looked at me and he says, Andy, he said, there is no law that says you can't move from Ohio to Oklahoma. There's no law that prevents that. And if it is God's will, if it's not God's will and you make the move, God can cover for you. And he said something, I'll never forget, he says, God's grace is far greater than your ability to screw things up. Now, with that in mind, we were able to take a much larger step of faith because of the confidence we see, well, you know, God got us through that train wreck and 
God did this and God did that. So we took the step. It was a big step. Moving from Tulsa, Oklahoma to Athens, Georgia was a bigger step. And when we got here, all kinds of things were going wrong. But if we go back and look, I'll never forget Julia made the comment, when the smoke cleared and the dust settled, we were standing on our feet and God was the one that did it. So confidence, uh, I went through the, the New American Standard Bible, the, the 1995 version, 27 times the word confidence shows up in the New Testament. I challenge you, go look those up and see what it says about confidence. See what things develop from confidence. See what, what confidence will do for you when you're in the clutch. Peter, getting out of uh, the boat and walking on the water. He had confidence in, in Jesus. Now, quick sideline that he wasn't ready for that. And Jesus knew that. But if you go back and look, it wasn't Jesus' idea for him to walk on water. It was his idea. He says to Jesus, hey, if it's you, bid me to come on the water. What's Jesus going to say? No, it's not me. Sure, it's me. Come on. Take a step. And he did. John Ortberg wrote a book says, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. And in order to get out of the boat, you've got to have confidence. So, I bring that up to you, and I'm, I'm asking the Lord to, to give you confidence as you move forward and walk with Him. I'll give you confidence that when you come to rekindle the flame, you'll have confidence that God's going to move on your behalf. Father, we thank You so much for all You've done for us. We thank You that You give us confidence and we can walk with You and know that what You said is going to happen just the way You said it would. Thank you for listening. God bless you and have a great day. Brilha a luz, can do the mill, the bird.